Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. And I am so excited to continue this series of Happy Birthday, Jesus. Um, Pastor Bobby did such a great job kicking us off last week and giving us the, the, the perspective and, and the mindset of, of way to address this Christmas season so there's less stress and more spirit. Amen. Um, and so I'm so excited to carry on that message, but I want to give a quick plug uh, real quick for all the YAs in the house. Uh, we got, come on, we got one excited YA. Um, we got our Christmas party tonight. Uh, it's tonight, 7 p.m. in the RK area. Uh, every year, it's always a ton of fun. Uh, we The theme's Christmas Olympics, um, so we're going to be playing a bunch of different games, a few different prizes, a ugly Christmas sweater uh, contest, a bunch of fun things going on. You can do that uh, and be a part of that tonight at 7 p.m. And also, I want to welcome all our online audience. Let's give our online audience a hand clap. If you're watching online through Facebook or YouTube, thank you for tuning in. I'm so happy to have you here. Uh, be sure to interact in the chat. Click that like button so we can spread this message to message as many people as possible. Um, we're in part two of Happy Birthday Jesus. Last week, Pastor Bobby encouraged the church family um, to read Luke chapter two. Um, if you did that, congratulations, because you got a head start for this morning. Uh, because that is what we're going to be reading out of is Luke chapter two, verse eight through twenty. And this is going to be from the New King James Version, uh, Luke chapter two, uh, verse eight through twenty. Um, can you stand with me with the reading of the word? Uh, a little context about what we're going to be diving into is this. This where we pick up in verse 8 is right after uh, Jesus is born. Um, the greatest and most spectacular moment in human history is the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is right after that happens um, is when we pick up in Luke uh, chapter 2, um, verse 8. And it reads this. It says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Somebody say all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let's now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has now made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20, then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Come on, turn to your neighbor, say the title for this morning's message, say why we celebrate. Why we celebrate. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you've gathered us for one reason and one reason only. 
to come closer to your son, to experience more of your Savior. So, Father, we give you full control over this service. We thank you for miracle signs and wonders taking place. Thank you for soft hearts and open minds that we're ready to dive into your word together, Father, and get a better understanding and revelation of your son. Jesus, we love you so much, and we believe that we're not here by accident, but we're here on an assignment to grow closer to you, Jesus. We love you, Father, and please today, right now, they are about to happen. Please help the Houston Texans. They're having a tough time. Help them against Chicago. I would pray for the Cowboys, but they're lost hope. I'm not going to waste my praise. But so, Father, just help them in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Have you been, you know, when you were growing up and, uh, you know, you were too young to handle big responsibilities, but... Uh, you know, your family, your older siblings wanted you to feel involved, so they gave you, like, simple tasks. But the simple tasks a lot of times had, like, uh, had big weight to the job you were doing. Like, one thing I think of is that who was ever the uh, designated light holder growing up? You know what I'm talking about? Like, your dad is working on something, your older sibling is working on something, they need your help. They're like, and you're like, hey, no, I can fix, I can help you. Let me, let me get the tools out and help you. And like, no, no, you just hold the light. Just hold the light, you know, so I can see what I'm doing. And, um, you know, growing up, you know, you want to do more, but you're like, okay, so, you, you know, you hold this light and position it so they could be able to see what they're doing. And you're thinking to yourself, like, I can, I can get a trained monkey to do what I'm doing right now, right? I'm just holding a light. Um, but it seems as you get older, now my dad and I, we fight over who holds the light. Like, hey, let me hold the light. You do it, you know. Um, but, you know, when you're younger... Uh, you know, you don't want this to have such a simple task, but that simple task of just holding a light has a big weight to what the job to be completed, because without the light, right, they wouldn't be able to see and see what they're doing. Uh, it was a simple task, but it was important. This is what the idea I want y'all to catch about these shepherds we just read about. Um, you see, they have the simple task of watching over these sheep, but these sheep are not just any ordinary sheep. You see, back in that time, the Jewish custom was that it was against their, their, their ways or, or the, the law to herd sheep outside the wilderness unless these sheep were being used for temple sacrifices. And these, these sheep that they were watching over were inside a city. They, it wasn't in the wilderness. So that's why theologians agree that the sheep that the shepherds were watching over in the story this read were the same sheep that would be the sacrificed for the sins of Israel. So literally they're watching over the sheep that the whole weight of the sins and the, and, the, and the future of Israel relied upon these sheep. So it was a simple task to watch over these sheep, but they had a, a very big consequence if they didn't do their job and they let the sheep run away or be scattered or let an animal take them. So, but that relates to me in life because a lot of times it seems the most simple tasks are the ones we needed to be the most serious about. Like it can be really simple to spend time with Jesus when you think about it in your mind, but it, that has a very serious impact on your life. It, it seems so simple to have a, a kindness to yourself and put a smile on your face. That seemed like such a simple task, but that can have a very serious impact on the people around you. So we're, we're catching that it might have been a simple task, but there was a very serious consequence and seriousness on what these shepherds were doing. So these shepherds, uh, we're watching over the, 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 sh the sheep that belonged to the temple, 
And so they worked for the temple. So that means they were part of the tribe of Levi. But they weren't priests. They were just shepherds. See, the reason why they weren't priests is because either they were too young and too inexperienced, or they failed to pass the test or qualify the requirements needed to be a priest. So basically, these shepherds are amateurs, outcasts, and failures. They're, they're the ones that the, the tribe of Levi didn't want. They say, here, take the easy job. Take the simple task that you can do because you can't handle anything else. And so they're given this simple task, but that, that you know, you remember growing up in grade 8 school, and the one of the most nervous moment can be when your friend or classmate is handing out invitation cards to their birthday party. Anybody with me? They're handing it out. They're going, like, to each person, and you're just waiting. You're, like, you know, looking at them, and then it's, like, look over you. Like, go to the next one or something, and it's, like, that's such a because, you know, you wanted to be invited to the birthday party. I remember one time, uh, I was, like, in third or fourth grade, this classmate of mine, he invited everybody in the class to his birthday party except for one guy and he was like the new kid nobody really knew him nobody was really friends with him and I remember asking I was like hey man why didn't you you know why didn't you invite so-and-so and and he told me well because it's my birthday party and I can invite who I want to invite I was like okay I mean um but what that had me thinking is if I'm God and my son has just been born, the Savior of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who's going to break the bondage of sin over man. If I'm God and I'm thinking about that, I'm going to send the angels to invite Caesar. I'm going to send the angels to go to Jerusalem and invite all the important people and to invite the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the important leaders. Because the word needs to get out that my son is born and now you can have hope because he's going to break the, the bondage that you're under. That's what I would do. But instead, God sends the angels to require of the shepherds who were the outcasts, who were the ones cast aside, who were the ones who were too young or not good enough to even be priests. He's the one, and he calls the shepherds to witness what only Mary and Joseph witnessed, which was Joe or Jesus being born in a manger. And he called the shepherds, the outcasts, to do that. Right away, what I think what God was communicating from the day one of Jesus' birth, what he was saying is that my son is not for the perfect. He's not for the self-righteous. He's not for the religious. But matter of fact, he's for the broken. He's for the people who need something in their life. He's for the people who know that if it wasn't for something, uh, a higher power having an impact on them, they wouldn't be able to do anything. My son has came for those kind of people and you outcasts. Shepherds, you come here and witness this. And right away, in one loud statement, and that's point number one for, for this morning, one round loud statement, God said, hey, guess what? Everybody's invited to the party. Everybody is invited to the party. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're invited. You're invited. Because what they were dealing with is back in that time, the only way you could experience the presence of God was through a high priest. Only the high priest could do that. But now what God is saying is now, now my son is here who's going to be the true high priest, and he's going to be able to make the presence of God accessible to all mankind. And then he looks at these Levitical shepherds, and this is what makes me laugh. He's, he's, he's like, come here. Thank you all for, for coming. Thank you for watching over these sacrificial lambs and sacrificial sheep. But you see that baby right there? He is the perfect sacrifice. 
You see that baby in that manger? One day he's going to grow up, and he's going to defeat death, hell, and the grave, and he's going to make your job obsolete. And you're going to no longer need to watch over these sacrificial sheep because now you have a great sacrifice, and his name is Jesus, and he's going to defeat the bondage of sin, and now you can step into who you're called to, and you don't have to worry about sacrificing animals anymore. Now all you have to worry about is having a relationship with this baby right here. And the shepherds saw that, and they took that in. See, that is what is so beautiful about the gospel message, is that it's not just for the elite. It's for everybody who call upon the name of Jesus, who say, I need something different in my life. I've been, I've been, doing, I've been trying to manage this, this journey we call life, and I, I can't seem to make it pass. I can't seem to overcome. I need something different. I need somebody who knows who I am better than myself. It's for those kind of people who say, you know what, I want more of Jesus. And when you call upon his name, who's grateful that he will answer and he will show up? So let's continue with the, with the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, verse 12. It says this, and it says, And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. In a manger. Let's talk about the manger for a little bit. If you don't know what a manger is, it's a feeding trough. It is a, a tool used to feed animals that they would eat out of. And usually what it was made of was stones or large to, to, to medium bricks hollowed out and filled with hay. And so the, the picture is that the Son of Man, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, the Son of God, he is not placed and born in a mansion. He's born in a manger. So it had me think, okay, God, there had to be some kind of like, you know, underlining symbolism or something because you got to do that. And I'm like, you know, so I said, you know what, let's do a study into it. So I studied it. I looked into it like, what could the manger mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? And you know what I found? A bunch of conflicting conclusions. A bunch of people saying, oh, it means this, and it means that. A bunch of theologians saying, oh, it could mean this, and, and others argue, no, it doesn't. And looking at all to these things, and there's, there's some people that believe, well, he was born in a feeding trough uh, because that means that uh, that's where we're going to be fed spiritually. I was like, oh, that, that'll preach, but that's a stretch, right? That's, that, that'll preach, but that's a stretch. Here at Riverside Church, we don't preach a stretched truth. We preach the straight truth from the Word of God. And so there was all these different, uh, you know, people arguing about it. And I said, you know what, and, I, and I, started, I was reading the scripture. You know why I think that Mary and Joseph placed our Lord and Savior in a feeding trough? You know why I think that? It's because that is what was available to them. I think Mary and Joseph had baby Jesus. Say, you know what, I'm getting kind of tired. I need to lay him somewhere. And there was a feeding trough, a manger, that was just about the right size to place a baby into. It wasn't perfect, but it served its purpose. A lot of times we can get caught, so caught up in everything being perfect, we overlook the purpose. That happens all the time during Christmas. We get so focused on the house being perfectly cleaned, the food being perfectly cooked, the gifts being perfectly wrapped, that we overlook the whole purpose of why we celebrate 
That's why we're talking about this this morning. Why do we even celebrate? We overlook the whole purpose of why we do all those things. That's point number two, is don't be so focused on everything being perfect that you overlook the purpose. Don't be so focused on having everything cooked great. Instead, look more at communicating great with your family. I know how many times have you been, you're eating good food, but bad conversation, right? You want to make sure that more than everything that you realize that the meaning and the purpose of why we gather is not so everything can be perfect. It's not so we can have gifts and things. It's so that we can gather together with our loved ones and celebrate a Savior, celebrate a baby being born that if it wasn't for his life, we wouldn't have ours. Amen. Because I know a lot of us, we get so focused on everything being perfect that we make a, a, a manger mistake. It's a major mistake, but it's a manger mistake where you overlook something and there's an opportunity, but you don't go for it because it, it wasn't perfect. So you say, I, I don't really, it, it's, it's, not, it's not good enough. It, it doesn't look right. It doesn't fit into my schedule right. And so you overlook it, whether it's a job opportunity, whether it's a friendship, whatever it is, you overlook it. And then a few years later, you look back and say, wow, how did I miss that? I wish I would have jumped at the opportunity. Why did I overlook something that would have been so beneficial to me? Because what it is, is that when we have a mindset of perfection, perfection is blind to potential. If you just continue to live your life only going after everything that seems perfect, you will never be able to catch on to what things could be. It's going to be looking around and say, oh, well, this isn't perfect. That's not perfect. My, my relationship with them isn't perfect. Uh, uh, this isn't perfect. And you will have such a bad outlook on your life, and you will miss the, the potential that you have around you. So why don't we live our life or, or take part in this Christmas season instead of trying to make sure that everything is so perfect? What if we just focus on the purpose behind it and say, you know what, I want to realize that even though maybe the house isn't perfectly clean, everything's going to be all right. Because back in the, back in the, in the day when I was growing up, um, I used to have, my family used to have the whole Mexican side over, okay? That's a lot of people. That's like close to 40 people, okay, all over at our house. And I remember growing up, um, my parents, my mom would be, you know, we'd be going crazy, going cleaning everything, getting everything ready. And, and my mom's like, hey, you need to clean this, you need to clean that, you need to clean that. And she's telling me to, to clean places that you know they're not even going to look, like clean above the ceiling fan. Like, Mom, nobody's going to see above the ceiling fan. Like, oh, they might. Or clean under the bed. Like, all these places making them get perfect. But after years of that and that, we realized that, it's less about everything being perfect and more about bringing the family in and focusing on having a healthy communication with each other and elevating the name of Jesus together. So when we leave this place, we're not just thinking about, wow, the food was good. We're thinking about how good God is. We're thinking how much he has impacted us in our lives. And so a lot of times we can get so caught up in perfection that we totally overlook the potential opportunities in our lives. There's people who I talk to or tell me, say, Caleb, there is no, there's no, just like, there's nobody, there's no good people I can, like, I have no friends, there's no good people around me. I'm like, there's a ton of people around you. You just need to know that there's potential there for you to have a friendship with them 
and you will see, okay, you know what, maybe people aren't so bad. Maybe I'm just more focusing and projecting perfection instead of looking at the person. See, if you just focus on perfection, you're going to miss out on the potential joy, grace, happiness that would be available to your life. Don't look over what could be a potential blessing just because it doesn't look perfect. In Luke chapter 2, as we continue uh, this story, now it says this in Luke chapter 2, 17 verse 20. Says now when they had seen him, we're talking about the shepherds, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And it says, and all those who heard it marveled at those things that were told to them by the shepherds. Somebody say shepherds. But Mary kept all these things by and pondered them in their heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen and was told to them. So the shepherds, remember, these are the outcasts. These are the ones who were under the qualifications to be a priest. These are the ones who nobody really wanted around them. God invites them to witness the greatest occasion of human history, the born and and the birth of our Savior. And when he welcomes them in, not only do they witness it, but they go out and be a witness to others. And these shepherds that weren't even trust to be a priest were now the first communicators of the gospel to people. <laughs> Saying, hey, there's a baby who was just born that I saw, who I was told by an angel that he is the savior of the world. He is the one that the prophets talked about. He is the one that we've been waiting on. It's time for us to wake up and realize that, the, that our Messiah is here and these shepherds took on that. You see, they didn't go back to the sheep. The shepherds didn't, didn't see Jesus and say, well, that's awesome. And they didn't go back to what they were doing. It changed something on the inside of them. That's what happens when you meet Jesus. It changes something on the inside of you where you're saying, I can't go back because now I'm not the same. I, I can't go back to my old ways, my old thinking, to my old mindsets because now I've experienced something so different that I can't be the same. And that's what happened with these shepherds, that they spreaded the news of the gospel. They talked about baby Jesus to, to all the people in Bethlehem, and it said that people were in awe, and they were amazed. But the shepherds weren't the only one invited by God, per se, to go and witness baby Jesus, right? There was others, right? Uh, the wise men, the, the magi. And by the time they got to baby Jesus, he was already two to three years old. They weren't the first ones to get there. They weren't the first ones. To, the shepherds were there literally right after he was born. So what the Magi did in Scripture, it says that they brought him gifts, right? We know the gifts that they brought Jesus, um, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Very expensive uh, gifts that uh, people argue well, how much it was worth, but it was probably worth close to like a million plus in today's thinking. And so that's a lot of stuff. And who knows that that's a good cushion to have when you're first-time parents. And if I'm, if I'm God, I'm like, God, can you send, send the Magi first? I'm like, I love the shepherds and everything, you know, but can you send the Magi first so I can have, you know, that would have been awesome because shortly after Jesus is born, they go to, 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 to the temple and they go to dedicate Jesus and they can't even afford the proper sacrifice. It says they could only afford two little doves. 
So that shows to me that Mary and Joseph, they, they didn't have all, all the money. They, they, they had to settle for, for what was considered the, the sacrifice of the lowly, of the poor. So if I'm Mary and Joseph, say, hey, God, that would be really cool if you, you know, would have switched it. But it says that the Magi came two or three years later. It says they brought gifts and that they worshipped him. But it doesn't say anywhere in Scripture that they went out and they witnessed about him and they gave praises about him and they said hey you need to come see and witness this baby no it says that they just went back to where they came what i think what god was telling us is that as much as he loved the presence that the magi brought jesus he wanted the praise more and first that the shepherds brought that's what he and so when the shepherds came although they didn't have the gold frankincense and myrrh they had a bunch of praise and they had praise in their hearts so much that they went out into the community and said, there's something, there's somebody that you got to meet, you got to see, you got to witness this. It's such awesome good news. And they went out and they were being really extra about him. And they went out and they were talking about him. That's That is point three for this morning is that not only should we bring presents and give presents, but let's give praise this Christmas season. Let's give some praise this Christmas season. I know a lot of times, and Pastor Bob, we talked about last week, is that Christmas can have the, a negative effect that wasn't meant for us when it gets to this time of, of stress, of feeling down on ourselves, of, of spending too much money and, and, and going into depression. But that isn't what Christmas is about. You see, if we go out and we decide to give praise, giving praise not only changes you, but it changes the room. So when you go to this Christmas season and you're with your family and they're talking about 2020, okay, 2020s, we all know it's been different. It's been a different year. And we could be talking about this, be talking about this problem and how that happened. But if you, instead of devolving into that, if you brought praise with you and said, yeah, it's been a different year, but God's been good to us this year. Yeah, it's been a different year, but there's been some things I'm thankful for. There's some been opportunities I wouldn't have stepped out by faith for if it wasn't for 2020. And if you start depositing praise in that situation, you're going to change the room. And your Christmas moment is going to go from one talking about politics, talking about this and that, to talking about the praises of our one true Savior of what the Christmas season is really about. So this Christmas season, I challenge you, bring your praise with you. Don't just bring, your, bring presents, bring praise, because that's going to transform your experience that you have. That's one of the reasons why I, I, I believe that Christmas is near the end of the year. It's that way when we get to it, we can look back at the year we experienced. In 2020, we have a lot to look back on, but we can look back, and then we can see all the things and notice all the places, notice all the areas that at first it didn't look good, but God turned that into great. And God made some opportunities rise up, and you're going to be able to give praise to God for 2020. I mean, who wants to end this year with praise? I mean, who wants to end 2020 with praise? I don't want to end 2020 thinking about all the problems, thinking about all the things that went wrong, the pandemics, the politics. I want to think about 2020, and I want to end it with praise and saying this Christmas season is all about the revelation and the fact that our Savior is born. And if our Savior is born, not only that, but he went and bore Calvary for us and defeated death, hell, and the grave, all of that, that should give me more than enough reason to give praise to my God that 2020 has no cap or weight on what God has done for you. And when you think about that, 
You're going to be able to end 2020 with praise. You're going to be able to think about all the awesome things that God did for you and inside of you. And you're going to be talking to your family members. And you're going to be talking about the normal gossip. And, but you're going to be talking about God. And you're going to totally change everything up. And people are going to leave that place and leave Christmas dinner or whatever it is, not feeling bad about themselves but good about themselves. Because this is what I realized. The more you talk about yourself, the, le- the, the worse you feel. That's what I've realized. But the more you talk about God the better and more encouraged you will feel. So you want to have a transformed Christmas? Talk about Jesus. Talk about how good he's been to you. Talk about the birth. Talk about why we celebrate this season, what the point of it is. And if you do that, you're going to leave your Christmas so filled up, so ready to jump into 2021, so ready because you're going to be thinking about how good God is to you. And when you start to be thinking about how, God, how good God is to you, You'll totally forget about all the things that could have, would have, should have. You're going to be, you know what, God? You're good to me. And that's a fact. And you give your son to me to experience your presence. And as long as I have that, I have everything that I need. Amen? Amen. Why do you believe that? Give Jesus, let's give Jesus a shout of praise just for a little bit. So these, these shepherds, they, they, they saw Jesus. They are cast outs. They are the ones who didn't qualify to be priests. They are the, 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 the failures of the tribe of Levi, but they are in, invited to witness the greatest happening in human history, and it changes them. And, but, and it says in scripture that they go out and they tell everybody about it. They tell everybody about it. You remember when you first met Jesus, you want to tell everybody about him? You remember that? They, they saw Jesus, and they wanted to tell everybody about it, and they were extra about it, and they were going here, they were going there. They were telling everybody about this baby Jesus, and they were being extra. But I want to give you a little insight into the Slavic household tradition of Christmas. Uh, Haley, you can, you can join me. So every Christmas, we would do the, the same thing every year um, from before I could remember. Christmas morning would get here, and who knows that Christmas morning gets later and later every year. If you're, if I, like, when I was first, like, you know, six, seven years old, I'm just like, it's 4.30 in the morning. I'm just like, it's time. Like, get up. Like, we need to go. But now it's like it's getting close to, like, noon. You're like, oh, let's just push it back. Let's enjoy sleep or, you know. Um, so, but what happened every morning before we would open presents, we would do a couple things. Uh, the first thing we would do is that we would uh, watch this um, animated short about the birth of Jesus called The King is Born. I don't know where my parents found this, okay? I've been watching this, you got to understand, since before I could remember. And this is like, I, I looked into it, this was made in like the late 80s. So where they got this and why we still have it, I don't know. <laughs> but we will watch this short, and it was about 30 minutes long, and it was all about the story of Jesus, the birth, and, and we would watch it. But I remember growing up, it was 30 minutes long, but it felt like three hours. Like, I'll be watching it. I'll be like, oh, come on. I know how the story ends. Come on. I understand, you know. Uh, but now the older I get, the quicker it gets. I'm just like, well, what the? it's already over, you know. Um, so we will watch this short, and it's really, it's, it's a really awesome to kind of look animated short. It's really sweet. But then and as the credits rolled, my mom would do something. She would bring in the cake. Could you stand with me? This morning I'm closing. She would bring in a cake, and this cake would have candles on it, and it would have lights. And we all knew what was about to happen because it happened every year. She would bring in a cake, 
And she would bring it into the middle of the living room. And together as a family, we would sing happy birthday to Jesus. And it would go something like this. Haley, can you sing? Because I can't. Um, but church family, let's just do this together. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. Happy birthday to you. And we would just let that moment sit for a little bit sometimes. Because every time we would do this, we feel God's presence. Because we knew that this is why we celebrate. It wasn't for the gifts. It wasn't for the presence, but it was to focus on the meaning of Christmas, which is the birth of our Savior. And we would blow out the candles. One year, the fan was really fast, and it blew out by itself. And we were just like, okay, Jesus, if you're here. Um, but every year, we would do that. And we would sing happy birthday to Jesus. And when I was growing up, I thought, man, that's, that's really extra, right? That's, that's kind of excessive. But what I realized is that my parents weren't being extra to be excessive. They were setting the example. Because now every year around this time, I, the first thing I think about when I think about Christmas isn't presents. It isn't food. It isn't about, hey, we're going to invite 40 people over to the house. The first thing I think about is Jesus. And I think about how because he was born, I can be born again. And because of his life, my life has been transformed forever. And I think about how that them being extra made me realize how much I need to be extra about Jesus. Because there's no such thing, there's no such thing in too much of Jesus. And that is the closing thought and the, and the challenge for this morning is be extra about Jesus this Christmas. Be extra about Jesus this Christmas. Because I want us when this Christmas time rolls around as the church, as the church who loves Jesus with all our heart, I want us when this time rolls around not to be so focused on gifts not to be so focused on food. Those things are awesome, but that's not why we celebrate. I want us as the church to realize that if it wasn't for what happened in that manger, in that stable, we wouldn't have the opportunity to experience the peace and the love from God that we enjoy now as sons and daughters of God. And so if we be extra about Jesus this morning, I'm telling you, it's going to transform some things on the side because this is what I don't want. I don't want us to have so many presents under the tree that we don't have Jesus present in the room. Yeah. I want us to be so extra about Jesus that there's nobody who can argue that they don't know what this is all about while we celebrate. I want us to be so extra about Jesus that the people in the room might say, hey, that might be a little excessive. But here's the thing, there's not such thing as too much of Jesus. If that means you sing happy birthday to Jesus, if that means you pray before you open presents, if that means you read Luke 2 before you, whatever it is, be extra about Jesus this Christmas. Because I'm telling you, when it's all said and done, and the gifts are open, what's going to remain is going to be God's presence. 
when the presents are gone, what's going to remain is the presence of Jesus. Because when you are extra about him, the gift of Jesus is going to remain. The gift of Jesus is going to be in our hearts and the, the family, the people around us. We're not going to feel overwhelmed, but we're going to feel so much of Jesus in the moment and know why we celebrate that we're going to say, you know what, let's be a little extra about him. That's what I want us to do this morning before we leave. Let's be a little extra about Jesus. We're going to sing some songs and we're going to pray. But I don't want to leave this place without giving praise to our Savior. I don't want us to leave this place without us having the absolute revelation in our mind that if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. So church family together, let's sing these songs and let's give Jesus some praise. Come on. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.